Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. This is where the law stops. And I start. Detective Sergeant Lloyd Hoffman, Police Department. It's about Julie Neymar. All I care about is stopping this maniac before he kills again. Do you understand? It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Come on, Judge. You're blowing away a broad state. The least you can do is drive her home. You're a cop. You gotta take me in. Well, there's some good news and there's some bad news. The good news is you're right, I'm a cop and I gotta take you in. The bad news is I've been suspended and I don't give a f- Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise, and at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Do it! We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an honor shout out in two bonus episodes every single month, which we have been doing for over a year. So if you haven't made the jump yet, we got lots of bonus episodes waiting so many. for you. Uh, speaking of which, we do have two new patrons this week, and they are Gerald Von Hemmel, RN. Great name. That is Probably awesome. fake, but I like it. Registered uh, nurse. Yeah. <laughs> and Alex Wood. So thanks so much to you guys for getting Thank all guys. those bonus episodes. Um, what's the other plug? iTunes. Yes. If you guys are listening on iTunes and you've been liking the show, make sure to give us a good old rating and review over there. It helps us find new listeners. And also, we should be on every podcast listener of choice if you're not yeah, on everything. iTunes. So if you haven't found us yet, YouTube, whatever Spotify, you listen to, we got it all. Yeah, Stitcher, whatever's out there, we're probably on it. If not, yell at us. Yes. But I haven't <laughs> been yelled at yet, so still. Should be good. We should be good. Uh, those are the plugs for the week. Uh, I am your host, Josh Lewis, and joining me as always is my co-host. Jamie Miller. Welcome back. Welcome. We are back talking sleazy movies once more. Uh, two weeks ago would have been the last time, I believe, you guys, free listeners, would have heard from us, and we would have been talking for the first time John Waters, yeah. Female Trouble, number uh, 1974. What a film. Uh, a wild film, <laughs> as well as uh, the Stella shorts, comedy shorts from 1998 to 2002, famously by David Wayne, Michael Showalter, and uh, Michael Ian Black. Bizarre, unconventional comedy. Yes. It was a lot of fun. Both very uh, great examples of of transgressive comedy, one from mm-hmm. the 70s, uh, and then obviously the uh, Stella guys would go on to make things like Wet Hot American Summer and other great stuff like that. Yeah. And that was with uh, special guest CJ Prince. So if you haven't heard that episode two weeks ago, whatever podcast listener of choice. But last week, patrons, you guys would have got your bonus episode, and we did a big one. We did another three-movie bonus episode for you guys, and uh, because there was a new Godzilla movie out, which, I, Jamie, we still haven't seen still yet. Still haven't seen it. It's going to happen, though. Heard, heard some some mixed things, I'll say, but oh, eventually yeah? I'll get there. My one buddy, uh, he fived it. He fived it? Yeah, and oh, he's a big uh, Godzilla fan, so I'm hoping there's some, some punches. We'll see how it goes. But either way, we talked about Godzilla 1954. And the uh, two 1964 follow-ups, Mothra versus Godzilla and Ghidorah, the three-headed monster? Yeah. Dragon. It's monster. monster. It is monster. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, if you want that bonus episode, again, that's uh, patreon.com slash podcasts last week's episode. But this week, we have another special guest with us, uh, and uh, he is a Los Angeles comedian, entrepreneur, thinker. <laughs> Innovator. Innovator. Visionary. 
And that I is prefer one. the term uh, dream entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> and that is one Nate Fisher. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It is very early here on the West Coast, but thank you so much for having me. Now, no problem at all. Now, Nate, as the show goes, we have the guests bring two films on with them. So what two films have you brought with you and why do they pair together? Yeah, so the two films that I picked are two uh, 80s action movies uh, ripped from the id of American uh, police fascism. Uh, starring, uh, quite nicely, two of our nation's foremost uh, conservative political figures. Uh, and these movies are movies that just sort of dive as deep as they can into the sort of uh, like nightmare scape of the, of the fascist psyche and come completely out the other side to the point where they become a sort of unconscious commentary on what they're about. And the two films I picked are Sylvester Stallone's Cobra and uh, James Woods's cop. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah, just the title. Cop. I love it. It's just, just called cop. cop. <laughs> like, you know, this movie is on like an extra, like extremely strong tip because they were like, you can't just call a movie cop, and they were like, this is the <laughs> why cop. not? Yeah. yeah, James Woods is just yeah, the cop. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know it's special. Exactly. No, oh, I completely man. agree. All right. Well, that's as good as any intro as we're gonna get. I think we're just gonna jump right into it. We are gonna talk. Cobra. Stallone is a cop called Cobra. The strong arm of the law. All right, we are talking Cobra, the 1986 American action film directed by one George P. Cosmatos and written by Sylvester Stallone, who also is uh, Marion Cabretti, the title character. The film largely follows Sylvester Stallone's Cobra uh, as a described tough-on-crime street cop who must protect the only surviving witness to, <laughs> for, for some reason, <laughs> some sort of uh, axe murder cult <laughs> yeah. with, yeah, with yeah. plans that we never find out that are just upset that they were witnessed yeah <laughs> doing things it really uh, just seems that their their drive is they're just kind of evil you know uh, what i mean i don't i don't know well that that's that's definitely it i mean the yeah. uh, I, I, it was uh i think it was uh, i read an interview with uh, brian thompson who plays the night slasher who is the head of the cult there okay. and he said that he asked sylvester stallone for notes he was like what's this character's history <laughs> like what do i like you know how did i get this way yeah. like what are we doing and sylvester stallone was just like bro like you're evil <laughs> like that's <Wow>. it <laughs> so i read it completely right yes <laughs> nailed it Exactly. Now, there might have been a little bit more context in the original cut of this film. It's worth mentioning at the top that the version of this film that is available, that is, uh, I believe it's 85 or 87 minutes long, mm -hmm. uh, is not the And that's version. with credits. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, this is short. <laughs> yes. And that was not the length that they were hoping to get when they originally made the film. Oh, I believe the, uh, the original assembly was something like two hours and ten minutes. Wow. And the director's cut was something about two hours. 
Oh, okay. Uh, and Do you know they, what they add in that extra half hour? Apparently, it was just all kinds of brutality. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to assume How it's more uh, slow motion and gunshots of the same gunshot happening from multiple angles. Just more of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah apparently, it, uh, it was a lot more gratuitous violence. There was straight up like throat slittings and oh, wow. um, hands being severed. Did they get rid of it just to have a more accessible audience? Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I, I forget what film it was. They said that there was a big Top Gun. Top Gun opened the week before this opened in oh, theaters. Oh, so they wanted that more. And, and, I gotcha. and, they, and they thought they were going to get overshadowed by Top Gun's second week, so they mm. last minute like did a bunch of chopping and were like, "Let's okay. let's get this." Uh, How did this do, Cobra? It did well. Oh, okay. It was a big success. It was nice. something like 160 million on a 20 million dollar budget or whatever. Okay. So didn't do bad. And I had a really great opening weekend. Uh, critics hated it though. Yeah, of oh, course. Okay. Of course. Uh, that's kind of just how it went. Um, and what I found really interesting about this film is that you can tell that Sylvester Stallone is making his own version of a kind of like uh, uh, extrajudicial, dirty, hairy style cop. Yeah. Uh, and and but he wanted to take it into the realm of what sounded like almost like slasher horror. I mean, he literally calls the guy the night slasher. And apparently a lot of the cut scenes also involve like the hospital scene, which reminded me yeah. of the hospital scene from Halloween Two, where yeah. the guy just goes around and starts like killing nurses and all of this. And it happens all off screen in this version of the movie, mostly. Yeah, I was going to say, too. They add a lot of, uh, like, they have the the synths and stuff that the oh, 80s yeah. always brings. But with a lot of the shooting, like the shootouts and stuff, they actually have really high-pitched violins that you would only hear normally in a horror film. So yeah. it really gives this kind of tensity rather than just this, you know, action in your face, explosions, whatever. It kind of gives more of a, um, something bad is happening here, you know, rather than just entertaining. Yeah, yeah there's a... There's a consistently like extreme focus on the violence that dives mm -hmm. in like immediately from the beginning, like because he, he talks about like the amounts of like there's that amazing Stallone intro where he's like, "It's so good." Violent crime every 22 <laughs> seconds in America. It's like, there's a, That's so there's good. Murder every 24 minutes and the guns <laughs> turning towards the camera. Dude, you can and, do like, this whole uh, episode with that voice. <laughs> Carry I on. I would love to. I would absolutely love to. There's a violent um, crime then, every 25. Five minutes. <laughs> he just like because like the movie starts and the first thing you see is like a red sun and then they cut to like a bunch of axes in this like through these shafts of light and then just like these window shades and it's just like these violent images just like one after the other and all you see is violence. It's like there's no context to it and the movie like throughout the a course of the movie only strips it more and more of its context to the point where it's, it's just violence and it's complete abstracted form. You're like, what planet is this taking place on? No, that so is a hundred percent correct. I have the same thing in my notes that this kind of almost felt like sci-fi. Like, do you know what it yeah. reminded me of? It reminded me of Walter Hill's Streets of Fire. Oh, which, 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 I, which yeah. I had a very similar reaction to where it was kind of like this is an 80s movie that's taking place with 50s iconography, but yeah. also implying like this weird future, like retro futuristic aspect to it mm -hmm. that made you feel like you were in just a completely different time and space. And the opening sequence of this is the only other thing that I've seen that like really got that same vibe for me, like with the giant red sun, with yeah. the giant axe murder cult, just like clanging their axes together and whatnot <laughs> yeah. like these images make absolutely no sense and then you think over the course of the movie you're gonna get context for what this all means and what's happening right and you don't because partially because it was it was cut from 30 minutes of it but who knows what that 30 minute
it was. The, apparently, some of it was more a little with more the, with, with the background with okay. the, the gang. But I almost like that the there's most no part, they just film it like they're just the serial killers going around killing for no reason. And they film it that way too, which is interesting. Like when they're doing the stabbings, they'll have kind of like those. 45 degree angle shots kind of make you feel uneasy. Oh yeah. Like the, yeah, the, the, the Dutch angle stuff like yeah. that as well. Yeah. yeah and Dutch and, angle, and then also, uh, they will be like, uh, we, we can't track their targets or whatever. Like they're completely right, random. Cause they're just or killing anybody. Yeah, yeah. Just anybody. Like they'll kill businessmen. Yeah. They'll kill like, uh, you know, convicts. They'll kill everyone basically. Uh, and streets of streets of fire is the is like an only one of the only other movies I've ever seen that like has that sort of rhythmic cutting where the whole movie feels like a music video. Yes, and yeah. this is another movie that feels exactly like a music video in the same way where it's like the images have a lot less context than you'd have in other ones. Like I think of that scene where they're like going around and like interviewing people trying to find out streets. who the killers are, and it's on the streets. And yeah. rather than like show you who they're talking to, they do cutting from this modeling shoot that the woman's doing with a bunch of robot toys <laughs> back to just like footage of Skid Row, Los Angeles, just homeless yeah. people. And the and footage like, will, will bounce to the rhythm as well. Like there's a drum beat that goes like, mm-hmm. do, do, do. And the, and the image will go, you know, one, two, three. Oh, and, 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 so it and it's that this, classic, uh, angel in the city or yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's a complete eighties <laughs> pop tune and everything. It's legitimately a music video for four minutes. But of course there. you don't know who you don't hear who they're talking to or what they're saying because it does yeah. not matter it truly <laughs> exactly. doesn't matter you just yeah. got to know that they're interviewing the the street life you know yeah, well, that well, crime well, is the disease and the, these guys are the cure yeah that's it he <laughs> says it and then he does it <laughs> exactly yeah there's a, there, there's no context for why crime might be happening or anything like no, that it's, it's just, just it's evil yeah it needs to be taken care of evil. get exactly. rid of it Mm-hmm. And then, and, and he films that. Uh, I, I love in that in that intro when he's setting this mood and all of that, and he has like a Dutch angle fisheye uh, shot of the bikers, and it just is completely like glowing red, yeah, and stuff like that. Like it's just it. it it absolutely doesn't make sense, which is gives it like this weird, strange That's beauty to it that, that I kind of really like. So universe kind of vibe comes from, right? It's just, yeah. it's, it's unlike this earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love that the, the other cops are just like, obviously they're supposed to be like the liberal pussy cops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and they're just, and they're, they're dealing with a hostage situation in the opening scene. And they're like, we're willing to talk it out with you. There's no more need for violence. <laughs> yeah. We want to help you out. And meanwhile, like, Clearly, the guy on the inside, they don't know, but the guy on the inside does not care at all. No. He's just looking to murder people, yeah. basically, <laughs> yeah. and he's shooting up a grocery store. Apparently, the scene was also supposed to take place in a movie theater and involved the murder of, like, lots more people. Oh, I don't wow. know why he changed that. Maybe, I guess, they he, this... pro- he probably got some notes on it being too graphic or too out of budget or whatever. Yeah. Something they like changed that. it to a grocery store because they needed to put Coors and Pepsi in the back of the show. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah he, when he drinks the for Coors. The, for the product placement, exactly. But I loved that, though. I mean, well, and I, I'm just curious. It's hilarious. Like, would Coors want that? Like, that's yeah, cool, I guess. R- right after, he just starts shooting, right? So yeah. it's just, yeah, it's it's an interesting connection that they'd want their uh, their brand to have. <laughs> well, because I know I think, a lot of companies care about having, like, bad characters. Well, I think also in the 80s, they probably this. didn't give a shit as much. You they know, were like, like, Sylvester Stallone will but, yeah. sexually drink my beer can. Exactly. Cream. It doesn't matter what he's doing uh, while he's drinking that beer. Yeah. <laughs> And I think this is one of the, especially the grocery store scene, that's where this movie is one of the most, like, uh, I don't want to say accidental, because nothing in art is accidental, but it's one of the most accidental, like, complete exegeses of capitalism, right? Because you have these 
these brand images lathered over just sickening violence <laughs> without any regard to what it's actually depicting. But you, but in, what you have instead happening is this guy, this f- crazed man who you don't know, screaming and firing guns off and ranting about the new world while he's blasting <laughs> open all cameras, these different man. consumer <laughs> products. Yeah. It's just like this complete, uh, pop art explosion of, of, <laughs> corporate images and like consumer products. And this is where immediately I began to think of this movie, not in the way you would think of like a trashy eighties action movie, but like this is identical in style and feeling to like something from, you know, 1965 Jean-Luc Godard. Like if this doesn't look like Piero LeFou to you, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we were talking about a few weeks ago. We were talking about kind of like, uh, the kind of like lone criminal uh, wanderer films a little bit like that. Um, Yeah. This does kind of have that vibe, except again, just with even less context still. Yeah. We get no, we get nothing at all about Stallone's character of any kind other than, no, it's mostly just like he's, he's a total badass and that's just it. He's going to take down any, and every criminal is evil. So it doesn't matter what he does because if he kills them, it was justified in this world. Yeah. So he's also, uh, an unthinking avatar for carceral power. He's like the police presence. Like they they do <laughs> yeah. everything they can. Like everything about his character is meant to like reflect off any like semblance of personality. Like that like the stuff with the like with the love interest feels so feels so hokey to me because when he is like not in that mode, he's doing truly nothing to humanize or personalize himself. And he continues to be just this like pure aesthetic object, like the sunglasses and the way you can never see through them. I've been trying to find those sunglasses for the last two and a half years since I moved (laughs) to Los Angeles. I have tried to get a sunglasses guys. Like I'll give you $50 to like custom make this that way. And they're like, no, they're impossible to find. Well, I also like that he he gets to do like the the only personality he has is like one liners. Yeah, That's basically and I was going to say the only uh, there's one scene where it kind of feels like they tried to break him down a little bit, which was the Marianne scene where oh, they yeah. explains his name. And oh, I yeah. was like, Alice would have been more manly or something like that. <laughs> and like, it seems like that's the only thing that they can do to get into his character. Well, is like his name isn't manly. There's <laughs> also one thing that he does that I've never seen another human being do. So it has to be a personality trait when he pulls pizza out of the freezer and he cuts it with scissors. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet another Godardian callback. Yeah. <laughs> Never explained. No. He just, that's just what he that's does at home. That's how he does. Well, yeah, and then, pizza cutter, And he has, he has all of his gun cleaner stuff uh, inside uh, uh, a carton of eggs, which is also in the freezer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the first thing he does when he gets home is goes into the freezer, grabs a slice of pizza, and well, and here's the thing: he doesn't chop it. He doesn't like cut it with scissors, like on the line either. Like he cuts it, like, and not even cutting it on the crust line to like get a half of a slice. <laughs> he cuts like the triangle end piece and just eats the end piece oh. and leaves the other half of the pizza. I forgot about that detail, actually. <laughs> yeah, and then he sits there and he just watches. You know, he watches the late night news where there's like crime, crime, yeah. crime. Well, he going on. his gun. Yeah, he's <laughs> just gone out of the egg carton. Yeah, Yet again, a linking. A linking between violence and consumer capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm on this extremely galaxy brain shit right now, and I only kind of ha- 
half believe it, but I do half <laughs> believe it. Like, I think there's something there, you know? Well, I mean, I, yeah. I definitely think so once we get involved to, like, you know, what the action movie is supposed to look like and mm. what Stallone as a presence is supposed to be. I mean, we, we've only talked about, I think, Stallone previously doing First Blood. And yeah. the thing that we noted talking about First Blood when we did that episode was that a lot of people, you know, mistake Rambo for kind of the history of his sequel character, not the yeah, movie, not, not the, the character he one. was in the first one, which Sylvester Stallone wrote. So the writing it takes to get from First Blood to here that's, that is, is so unbelievably different. I didn't even different. think about that. You're right. Like that's that's fascinating. <laughs> like to just make such a blatant like because Rambo, human ambiguous anti-war yeah. uh, sentiment. And Rambo then to, challenges that. It's like why he is the way he is. The cops but are this the antagonists one is in just First like, Blood. Right? right. Exactly. And this one is just it's like he did a complete 180, and now he's like, but the cops are really the heroes all the time. They're only out to well, destroy yeah, and, and, evil. and not the pussy ones that don't do violence only yeah, the only really the, cool yeah, ones yeah, that only kill the ones people that completely take them out <laughs> right so it's just yeah, it's like a complete, that is interesting i didn't a, even think of it's that. a completely different turnaround for stallone as a writer because it's worth mentioning that he wrote this film as he well wrote this, okay. um and a lot of people on set apparently didn't like working with him because his ego was just super massive by the time they made this movie oh shit and they were being like he's going rambo full got movie star him. yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, this came well, this came right after Rambo: First Blood Part Two, which was also directed by George P. Cosmato. Yeah. So I'm sure that was how they met and how he and, hired and him to do this one. Part Two was like a big one in the start of you know just that pure action sleaze. Yeah, right? maybe so. maybe we can go on a quick digression because I know Nate likes Part Two as well. I, I, I watched it for the two. first time, and Part Two is just the complete opposite of First Blood. Yeah, it that's is like what I've a heard. full out like fever dream. Uh, imperialism story where did Stallone write that one as well? He and James Cameron co-wrote it, okay. which is crazy, yeah, crazy Cameron. to me. But straight up, it is like a complete fantasy where they he gets to go back to Vietnam and like single-handedly like win the war. Even though the whole point of the first one was that, <laughs> that it, it was it damaged him to a point well, of like yeah, you know, th that it was a terrible mistake that only ended up causing rippling consequences for everyone involved in it. Yeah, and this yeah. one was just like, well, now I get to go back and I get to I get finish to finish the job. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, if First Blood Part Two had had one final shot at the end of the film of Sylvester Stallone waking up in a cold sweat and it was all a dream. It would be regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time. Absolutely. It would be considered better than Apocalypse Now. I 100% believe that. It could be the beginning of the first Rambo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But like, that's why Stallone is so impressive because it's like, Americans are not known for their ideological uh, coherence or uh, consistency, right? We blow with the wind. We get like different... <laughs> We get on to like extreme right wing swings and then go back and we go, we've all these different like ideas running in our heads at the same time. And the movies that Stallone chooses to take part in are great, you know, exemplars of that. And Cobra yeah. is like no, no greater, you know, model for that. Well, the thing that's so fascinating about Cobra, especially when we get into comparing it with something like Cop is what we'll say, because when we did our Dirty Harry episode, we talked a lot about Dirty Harry as this idea of um, that we thought Dirty Harry was maybe not was by Don Siegel's directing a lot more critical of Dirty Harry as a character than yeah. maybe the screenplay yeah. actually ended up being um, just because of the way, the way that he shows how brutal Harry is and the mm. way that he films it in those like inky blacks in San Francisco and stuff like that. Um, like that scene in the, with, in the football field where it's so purely, he's just coming off as like this. He's this just tyrant. straight up torturing. There's someone, not a yeah. scene like that in Cobra, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so the thing that 
was interesting to me about this one was that um, because the thing we also talked about with Dirty Harry was that Dirty Harry and Scorpio were kind of they both kind of came from like these dark impulses that were sort of similar. But that Scorpio was such a cartoon character. And this to me was like just as cartoon like yeah. the, the it's just it's pure evil versus like the person who's willing to get violent to stop it kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And to me, it takes place on such another planet that I almost couldn't even track the the fascism of it because it was just like, a yeah. case of like, like this is so not what crime looks like on any conceivable level. Yeah. Um, to the point where like, I thought I was watching like a Saturday morning cartoon like version of Dirty Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then to, again, to strip it way. completely of context or reason or meaning. Um, just your, evil yeah uh and then put it into what is you know a uh like really really sort of grotesquely beautiful aesthetic as well as um you know it has really entertaining action scenes like the uh, amazing car chase that takes place in this movie with sylvester stallone driving his own 1950s cobretti car oh, that's or whatever awesome. it is i didn't know that <laughs> uh which is pretty amazing and yeah, and then the way that it, it you know, it, it treats the violence, um, you know, a lot of it, it treats as typical 80s action excess to the point where you feel like you're watching a horror movie. Um, and I do wish that that cut eventually will come out, the director's cut that contains all the violence put back in yeah. that they cut away, I mean, cut away is, from, because I think it would just make that theme more impactful. I agree. Uh, there is even I, moments in I that don't. Like, hospital scene. No? Oh, No. I want. I wish this movie was sixty-one minutes long. Like it, <laughs> it, it somehow, and I think I love this film. I think it's like like pretty close to perfect. But I I think it should be even shorter and have fewer words in it. It's basically a silent film. You can watch this. You would miss out on some of the great music. Like you would miss out on the fact yeah. that the the depiction of Santa Monica in this film is Santa Monica has diegetic one song playing in it at all times on the street that song that he's playing when he like gets into a fight with that like with those like a car of people on the street there's the same song playing and it sounds like it's playing just like on some loudspeaker on ocean (laughs) avenue like it's very like it's so cartoonish but you'd miss out on that but you don't need any of the dialogue no, like well, that's just that maybe maybe I don't want the extra context, but I would have liked some the of violence. the action to be more horror. <laughs> I, I do yeah, feel like yeah. they they flinched when it came to showing the horror. Yeah, which it definitely was something... feels like they, they had that idea, though. What with, you know, like I said, with the violence and stuff, they're definitely painting those action sequences as horrific rather than just, oh, he's just kicking ass all the time. There's still aspects of that, but there's de- they, I think they somewhat tried well they, they literally rip off the shining with the guy yeah breaking with the knife the axe yeah, yeah the side whatever. angle yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah so like you know the the entire hospital scene feels straight out of a slasher movie and yeah, i guess I, I, I guess i was too. hoping for a little slasher slasher violence in there yeah i got but you Halloween can tell that they cut around major. it a little bit <laughs> but yeah other than that it's mostly just him taking down a faceless mob and doing yeah. uh sick one-liners where he's like i'm gonna get those sickos uh <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> I think oh, Sylv- it's, Sylvester it's, Stallone is a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, he is, because uh, I've, I've definitely seen a few action uh, movies with him. I mean, we're going to be talking about one uh, after this episode, where yeah. he's a little more, you know, he's, he's far more stoic. This one felt like he is trying to have a little bit more fun with his, with his character. 
Because he does have that stoic presence a lot of the time in his action flicks. Well, I, I think it helps that he actually wrote this character, whereas the one we're going to be talking about next week, he didn't oh, write he that did. one. Yeah, that's true. That's a good um, point. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Demolition Man. He'd probably be more Man, invested so. in this character. Oh, my God. Demolition Man is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> another, another like... And that movie is like weirdly leftist. Like you just cannot track this guy. He just goes <laughs> yeah, with the wind. That's, that's, that's a solid point. Yeah, Stallone is so that's just, Stallone's, he's, he's such a swing voter, man. He, he, <laughs> Stallone uh, is just, he's, he's unreadable. Yeah, he really is. Truly, truly an inscrutable mind. I, I want to just like, just if we can underscore this for a moment, because I think it really like hammers home the like, the, the, the way this movie feels like a cartoon and feels like high art in its own strange way, how just sumptuously gorgeous it is oh, on like a, like a shot by shot level. It's like, like when the guy takes out the knife, the, the, the weird sort of like hook knife that he uses to kill people, the night slasher, every time he takes it out, it shimmers in the, in the camera. Yeah. There is oh, always and, and he's like sharpening it on yeah. like a stone. And again, you you think that this is like the the scene where you're going to be like we're the criminals and this is what we're doing and why. And instead, it's like this weird like ritualistic like you have to she's seen your face yeah. or whatever. I, we need to eliminate that. And I'm like, "Well, why? Like they don't have like a face tracker for you or anything. Yeah. Like it's just like And speaking of And they the, blow up the whole movie trying to kill this one person because they saw them. I'm like, "Do you know how many people are seeing you because you're tracking down this woman who saw you once yeah. and at night where she <laughs> yeah, exactly. while you were wearing like a like a weird like sock thing that like made their like makes their uh faces like hard to read anyway i thought it made them like strangely inhuman looking as well yeah well, but, I, but i guess the tone it just again it makes it feel like otherworldly i felt like yeah. I, some of it was like almost like blade runner i felt like i was watching the blade runner yeah. criminals this movie really made me uh, see where uh his son got all of his inspiration you know what i mean with like those deep reds the blacks like i mean mandy there's scenes that are obviously you know taken at least inspirational well, uh, wise a, from a, this a biker gang with like right. spiked knives right and, and the cool yeah. knife like it's like nick cage doing the the giant axe with the forging of you know the giant axe and mandy yeah. and it's uh it was interesting to see those those connections too Stealing there's so much superfluous there's so much superfluous fire in this movie. Yeah. There's yes. like yeah. fire where there doesn't need to be. There's sparks coming out of shit. It's just always like exploding. And that's very much that Streets of Fire connection that we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. But it's like this movie doesn't need to have the sort of literal but also just like cinematic pyrotechnics that it does. But something about that coupled with the fact that there is such lit there's such a void of character like Stallone's character is such a void at the core it's like you really feel like you're watching like somebody's like or like a a collective unconscious mind like like living out it's like most violent impulses yeah no I, ab absolutely like there's there's touch of there's a ton of like really like idiosyncratic angles the way that they shoot the film like there's mm. there's one part during the car chase where there's just a pov of the car debris on the freeway <laughs> yeah and i was and just just the choice to do that and the the way that they you know and again some of the ways that they um clearly had to cut for continuity i did a little bit of writing uh reading on it where they said that they had scenes where like more people were dying mm -hmm. and because they had to include them off screen they couldn't reference them in the dialogue so they were kind of like cutting around like they were cutting scenes up oh, okay. in the middle of them not just cutting scenes out like literally just readjusting oh, wow. actual scenes so it, it's really interesting that it gives you like this really bizarre 
kind of like incoherency where like people will be driving one way and then all of a sudden they're in a completely different location where like something has clearly happened there but they just were like ah, let's just get rid of that part um but to me it just it led to another aspect of kind of like that otherworldly i felt like disoriented in like yeah. a way that felt really interesting um and i especially in that that car chase i love the bit in the car chase where they're going over those bumps or like the the little like small hills and mm-hmm. they're just like flying over them in yeah. slow-mo and then there's there's a shot dead on where the cars are coming at the camera and again this is just like it's it's incredibly beautiful to watch and you know all in conjunction with the you know the the, the neon lighting and the sense of like evil and danger of of almost like a paranoid evil and danger that's kind of like around the corner at all times which justifies this violence that's the idea right is and that also speaking of that car chase just this added touch uh, Stallone has nitrous in his car. I did not expect that. I'm like, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, what a fucking yeah, add-on. He uses That's nitrous, hilarious. And I think he uses nitrous right after he does the 180 where he shoots the gas tank on the truck yeah, and then flips around back, and other, like, does another 180. Fast and, the and there's just, I mean, it ends in a giant climax in like a, what looks like a peaceful, like rural community. Yeah. Uh, and, but there's just like garbage and grime and broken glass and like roaring engines and just all like just everywhere. And I mean, the actual ending takes place in the big finale takes place in like this like factory, this like, yeah, this like, yeah, uh, industrial. Sort of, yeah. This, this industrial setting that's also again on fire. Yeah. <laughs> like it, 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 it seems like they're kind of getting into this, this hellscape kind of vibe. Yeah, especially like the end where they me. literally send the the bad guy into the fires, like yeah. the fires of hell or something. Yeah, like it that. reminded me to live and die in LA a little bit, which we were just yeah. talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which which kind of oh, had yeah, that that, that grimy LA uh like uh in, industrial pockets of it, yeah. as well as the big ending there where they are in the burning printing factory mm-hmm. where, you know, he shoots it to make it look like hell. And I mean, this this finale in particular is is super violent with him, you know, catching and murdering all of the sickos. Uh, and they have like this this big thing <laughs> where uh, the the villain played by Brian Thompson, who I think is uh, actually quite good in this for yeah, it's, having it's... no context or nothing to do. Yeah. He just goes like in insane talking about like this this new world that we're gonna build the the dream and I, I i guess it's supposed to be tied to some sort of like social darwinist radical group of some sort where they're they're killing the weak people yeah, yeah. uh for sport uh, right. because that's going to so only the strong, only survive. the strong will survive or that's, I yeah. guess that's what it is. Yeah. And Sylvester Stallone. And then, uh, they get the great bit where he's just like, you're, you're a cop or whatever. Like you gotta like take me in or whatever it is. Right. Oh yeah. I believe that, that cause this, I think this happens in both films. Where they yeah. have they yes. have the, they have the speech where they're just like you're a cop a cop's got to follow the laws and you got to like take me in and he's just like nah and this this is where the law ends <laughs> I <Nice> start <laughs> yeah exactly um, and so this, good. Th- what's fun what's funny about this uh, this finale compared to what we'll talk about with cop is at first like it's he's about to to shoot that guy point blank range oh, yeah. and then that the the one girl cultist attacks him yeah. so that they have to get into a hand to hand combat fight yeah. and it almost seemed like they didn't quite want him to shoot the guy point blank range they needed to give him a little bit more of a physical reason to kill the guy because 
instead of it becomes more like self-defense rather than just I'm taking you out for the law, you know, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it ends up they get into a like a scuffle and then he as he's about to get stabbed, he like hooks him onto the giant uh, metal hook and sends him into the fire. Yeah. And I just found that interesting that they didn't make the decision to have him just point blank kill the guy. You yeah, know? well, because he, he does it to the other one, doesn't he? Doesn't he go like, oh, you, yeah, you, ha- that, you have the right to remain silent, yeah, and he just lights the guy on fire. that guy on fire, but then the other dude, they don't really give it to him. It's it's odd. Yeah, well, because, again, it, it kind of does that first blood thing where he becomes the slasher yeah. villain, like, picking people off kind of yeah. deal. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I, I love that, that confrontation that they have at, at the end where he's basically like, you know, I... I have rights, don't I, pig, or whatever. The courts are so civilized, yeah. or, you know, la, 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 la. And, uh... <laughs> uh that shot when he's calling him the pig and talking about his rights, and it's and it's his his face, like, his profile is, like, bisecting the, the frame, and it's you can only just see the outline of his, like, nose, eyes, eyelashes, and eyebrows, and a little bit of his hair, and then the rest of his face is black, and the space behind him is black, like... The, I challenge you to find me a more beautiful shot in any movie in 2019. I don't care who made it. <laughs> like, come on. No, ab- ab- absolutely. And obviously, Jamie already mentioned it, but amazing when he just lifts him up and puts oh, him yeah. on the meat hook. Sends him to hell. <laughs> yep. And sends him in, in into the, the, the burning fire in the, the giant factory that's already filled with, like, burning embers and, like, welding sparks, even though, yeah, like, no it one's It seems working. abandoned, but, yeah. yeah, it's still fully operational. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll enter the reductive rating round on Cobra for you, Nate. This is the part where we... Uh, re- take all away all the words, all the nuance, and we reduce the movie to being a number between one and five. But also, we turn this into kind of like final statements. So if you have yeah, any you scenes have anything or anything extra. you haven't had a chance to mention, this would be a good place to do it. For me, this was a pretty high four. Yeah. Um, again, basically for all the reasons we've we've already said, uh, Nate brought up at the beginning, but it can't be uh, understated that the opening of this is absolutely incredible. The Sylvester Stallone uh, dialogue where he's like, there's a burglary every 11 seconds. Yeah. There's a violent crime every 25 seconds. Murder every 24 minutes. And 250 rapes a day. <laughs> that, that's and then, bam, the gunshot. Yeah, 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 the gunshot, a huge, like, blood-red sky. And then there's a criminal ritual with axes in a warehouse and fire. And then there's like shots of like the axes crossed underneath a skull. And then there's the glowing shot of the, you know, the bikers in the Dutch angle fisheye lens. And, you know, just the, the general mood and atmosphere that takes over this movie is obviously the best stuff. And the rest of it just kind of seems like set up to get to it. Mm. Um, the way that they've had to, you know, strip this movie down to kind of its bare essentials and remove character and remove content context of any kind and instead you're just kind of left with this really like gorgeous detailed imagery that puts you into like this weird dreamy hellscape of crime which uh is so sci-fi to me that i couldn't even put this in the same wheelhouse as like you know we're going to talk about it next as something like cop or something like dirty Harry or death wish like it just it's it's completely visually um, different than any of those in a way that makes it both beautiful and inscrutable at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, I, the only other thing we've talked about that's like that really was streets of fire. And I, I mean, we know streets of yeah, fire was a five it, yeah. for me. So, yeah. uh, yeah, absolutely love this one. It was a high four. 
Sweet. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a, a high four as well. Uh, was this your first time watching Yeah, Cobra? my first time. Yeah, me too. It. I'm glad I pre-bought the Blu-ray now. Yeah. I watched it at home yeah. on Blu-ray, and I was like, nice. And I can I'm definitely, I, I also, like I, I said before, uh, I can definitely see where his son is getting all his, his, his styles. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely from his dad with those, like, you know, the deep reds and kind of building this really abstract atmosphere, mixing a ton of genres together, <laughs> which is always, always cool and interesting. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is very entertaining in this film. Uh, he definitely, we didn't, we didn't talk about his matchstick in his mouth. Oh yeah. Just constantly. <laughs> just so much style, this man. Um, but he gives off this, it's, it is a, it is an is odd that the match he uses to light the guy at the end too. Does he keep that matchstick in his mouth the whole time just to light that one guy on fire at the end? I don't remember. I think he does. Anyway, keep going. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm having, I'm having like epiphanies. flashbacks yeah. of all the <laughs> great moments of this film. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the the direction's fantastic. I love the way that they use the score uh, because I was, you know, I was expecting a super '80s just synth crazy score, yeah. And you still get that in moments, but for them to actually add uh, orchestral music with these really tense uh, strings that give this horror vibe was really interesting, yeah, and the, I thought like, really added to kind of a lot of those uh, action scenes. Um, so yeah, I'm I really looking forward to diving into this one again and i'm gonna give it a four for you nate um also a high four like a maybe four and a half um my closing thoughts are uh capitalism makes cobras of us all uh (laughs) it you you can either you can either die uh under the under the thrall of the night slasher or you can make yourself a cobra those are your only two options we all live in santa monica with that music playing all the time every day and we live under the shadow of a giant neon pepsi sign um if you guys know any of the if you guys have a hookup you can get me those sunglasses uh no price is too small uh, reach out to me on Twitter at Nate Media Good. I will get back to you. Thank you. <laughs> well said. Beautiful. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for Cobra 1986. We're going to be right back and we are going to be talking Cop. James Woods, it's just, baby. It's just called Cop. <laughs> cop. James Woods in the most startling performance of his career with Leslie Ann Warren and Charles Durning. When a man cares too much, how far is too far? All right, we are back and we are talking Cop, the 1988 American crime suspense film written and directed by James B. Harris and starring one James Woods. It is based on the book Blood on the Moon by James Elroy, obviously the famous crime author behind uh, L.A. Confidential and Black Dahlia. Uh, and it was the original title for this film, apparently, Blood on the Moon, until they changed it because they said it sounded too much like a horror movie. So, so they just went with cop. They were like cop. Yeah, hey, what's this Darn. movie about? <laughs> <laughs> it's about a cop. I think it's about a cop, yeah. An obsessive, mm. insubordinate homicide cop in particular uh, who is convinced that a serial killer is on the loose in Hollywood and he disobeys orders in order to catch him. That's the premise. Very Dirty Harry style. Oh, yeah. Working outside the law. A killer on the loose, a cop on the edge, says the uh, tagline of the film. (laughs) Uh, Or wait, no, there's another tagline. When a cop cares too much, how far is too far? (laughs) Very nice. It exactly describes this movie. 
Um, the thing very notable about this off the front, off the cuff, I guess, is that um, James Elroy's book apparently is very, very graphic and horrorish. Mm. Um, and the film is uh, toned down a little bit, but not really in terms of tone. I think this is a pretty straightforward, pretty gross, gratuitous yeah, movie. Definitely. Um, friend of uh, the show, uh, Bill Chambers at Film Freak Central, described it as, uh, it's dirty Harry for people who thought that Harry Callahan was too sensitive and forgiving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because James Wood's <laughs> well character said. in this, um, Lloyd Hopkins, is unbelievably sleazy this is a incredibly yeah, it's, sleazy it's movie. interesting that the tagline is like I, he cares too much i don't really think does he? that's the yeah, yeah does he? Like, i don't think he cares i think he just has a giant ego and he's trying to fulfill <laughs> that in, in any way he can well uh, to me this played very similarly to the idea of when i was talking about sort of like how dirty harry had those like dark impulses and he kind of indulged in them in a way that yeah. you know he thought society would be a little bit more forgiving of yeah uh James Woods here does the exact same thing, but doesn't necessarily care about that society forgiveness of any kind. In fact, no. he just kind of goes down a rabbit hole of crime and destruction and Adultery. disgustingness <laughs> uh, and follows it kind of like through and through. And the best scenes are the ones where he pretends that he cares because yeah. because he said, you know, he makes it, the scenes make sense when he says them. He's like, you know, there's a murderer of women and I'm particularly upset about that. And I'm like, OK, but you don't really seem crazy about women. Right. The idea. I, I love the bit where I he, mean, because it's outright. There's no secret that he's a womanizer. No. Right? I mean, he's just out like any any victim or, or any person he's interrogating. If they're a woman, he's pretty much going to hit on them. And then it implies that he has sex with them. So, yep. Uh, he uh, and while he has a wife and child, by the way. Yes. And his <laughs> relationship with his child is explaining his cases to her in graphic detail, which she's very enthusiastic about. And yeah. I'll say that scene was very funny and, and oh, well done. Very calm. Really funny, um, especially because of the way that they set it up. Because they set it up like, "Can you tell me a story, Dad?" And then he's like, "Once upon a time," and then he goes into like an assault story that he was. She a was part like, of. "Yes, Daddy, I remember that vivid homicide case from Get Those Scumbags." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he shifts into so many different modes in this movie. Like you, the like he does like acting within acting in a lot of these different <laughs> scenes. And that was such a revelation to me that James Woods is a good actor yeah. because I only really know James Woods for his uh, sober and salient political commentary that I followed him on Twitter for. Yeah. Uh, this, so the fact that he was an actor has been such a revelation to me. Normally he just has great takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, James Woods, one of the ultimate slimeball actors of all time, Hell yeah. I would say. Uh, we already talked about him before on Videodrome, which he is oh, yeah. incredible in. And so, again, so good in that. And yeah. talk about another movie where the guy is wrestling with like these you know these urges and impulses that he's looking for an outlet for uh but also underrated in uh as, as casino in casino smart scorsese's casino mm-hmm. oh yeah he's really good in that as well yeah, and, right. I and, he was in that. and in in this one in particular uh one thing when i was reading about it that uh someone brought up that i thought was really interesting um because this film i think is more overtly constructed to actually get 
its ideas across, if that makes sense. If we're comparing mm-hmm, yes. to something like Cobra, which is like almost incoherent and cartoonish to the point of, I don't think you can make a real world political statement about that film. I don't even know <laughs> that it's really trying. Yeah, This yeah. one actually does construct a reality where all the gays and feminists are murdering people and he has to stop them. Uh, <laughs> and this movie kind of sinks you into his way of thinking. And while reading about it, I noticed that um, there there's there's no scene that he's not in in this movie. There's not a single scene without right. him where he's not dictating the action of the scene. He's not guiding the way that things are moving. Um, and uh, he changes from scene to scene where he'll be in a scene where he's talking about, you know, I'm pers- he's like, I'm a feminist. I believe that women, you know, should, I don't like that women are, are, are being murdered and targeted and, you know, abused and attacked. Um, and then immediately in the next scene, she'll be like, yeah, you're being really inappropriate with our daughter. So I'm taking her away. And he's like, okay. And he yeah. immediately hires the escort to come over to his apartment. Yeah. Like immediately. Yeah. As if he I mean, was waiting is, for there, his wife to leave him. Yeah. There is some pretty strong, like some canonical divorce guy cinema in there. Right there Cause <laughs> yeah. he has like, you got the, the scene where it's just empty shots of the home as he like re- reads out the letter that his ex now ex-wife sends him the fact that we get a uh, my wife left me so early in the movie <laughs> yeah. and then he immediately careens into this like hook up with this prostitute that he like has this like weird connection with well yeah like, it, that it, is it, like she's like a witness case. Yeah, yeah she's part of the yeah. case it's so it's so inappropriate yeah <laughs> but it's like i think that there's a lot of like the movie acknowledges like you have a lot of like very, oh, very yeah, like sure. reserved camera moves where or like the camera has takes like a sort of backseat to the action. And in the way that it does that, a lot of times you can almost hear the director going like, yeah, yeah, we know this is wrong. Like, but that's yeah. just the way the world is. Like this is an, an evil world populated by evil figures on both sides of the law. And they and they conduct themselves in the most abhorrent way at every chance they can get because they have the freedom and power to do so. And so this is a movie that sort of like lays all of that bare, but does so in a way that's so like only one small factor of all of the other things that it does with regards to like, you know, different social groups and different identities. Well, I found this one in particular a lot grosser of a film, despite the fact that the violence isn't like it's 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 more excessive and gratuitous in cobra yeah but this one is just like i find him a much gross established as a much grosser character and one of my favorite touches is that as soon as his wife and daughter leave and he's very upset because he loved his daughter and he was like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna raise my daughter right um he never mentions them ever again for the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's Not what I found interesting. Once. Yeah, you think that that <laughs> he would completely kind of turn forgets into about them, which to me is the, is the movie acknowledging the fact that he is more interested in finding an outlet for these impulses and urges that he has, right. and he's looking for it, which is why it's all about power. For him, I mean, yeah. we'll what? get to eventually, but this has one of the best endings of any film I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I and I think personally, when I got to that ending. I thought that the whole movie was him looking for an outlet to do something like that. And basically we follow him on his journey to get there because there's an early scene in the case where he are in the movie where he first uh, comes up on the first murder victim that, you know, relaunches the serial killer case where the woman's like hung upside down and like been cut open and bleeding out like a, like a, like a pig. Um, And he asks for the case 
He like he doesn't even have jurisdiction. It's not in his area. It's not anything. And he's just like, I I really want this case. Yeah. Um, for and they're kind of like, why though? Like someone yeah. else could just do it. And and in, he says all the time, it's because I'm upset that women are being murdered. Is is what he's upset about. But there's no indication that that is actually something that genuinely upsets him. In yeah. fact, he seems like he has terrible relationships with women and doesn't think too highly of them. Right. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he just um, moves on from girl to girl. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have, like, his wife and kid leave him, and true, he doesn't bring them up anymore, but what he does do is when he's talking to his later love interest in the film, he does bring up the same conversation he had with his wife and daughter about the still believing in, like, white knights and fairy tales thing. And so you can clearly see that it's like, he doesn't really talk to these people individually as people. Everybody in this movie is just an extension or an outlet for his pathologies. It's all yeah. just like places where right, he, he, can he repeats go. the same speech where he's like, everyone lives in a fairy tale. I live in like the reality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a ranting, screaming mind that never interacts with anybody besides itself. It's a completely closed circuit. And I think that's why James Woods is so good in this. Uh, awesome. It's a very, so, it, yeah, it, it can't, it can't be understood. He how understands great he is the in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, He's like, there's a clear libidinal thrill that he gets out of doing this role. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, you it's can tasty. It. You can see it in his performance, even even in the darker. Tell me how you got the scumbag, daddy. Or yeah, yeah. And even in the darker Let me scenes, tell you like, how I got the scumbag. Where that, that feminist is explaining her uh, her assault that happened to her. Oh, and yeah. He, he's, he's, he's like, he's, he's well, checking I already his got watch. through the assault, so yeah. why don't we go for the whole enchilada? You know what? <laughs> and you can tell in his performance that he is enjoying that. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of enjoying being able to have this outlet of poking fun at that kind of a dark situation. Yeah. I I was, I was so, I was literally squirming when she was explaining this really like sober story about how she was gang raped. And he (laughs) was just like, he's got a smirk on his face like the whole time, the whole time. And then, uh, halfway through it, he just, he checks his watch. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, and and the film makes a note to show you that he's doing that. Yeah. So it's completely aware that he's a piece of shit, which is interesting. (laughs) That little interaction there is like so indicative of like a lot of the things that like are so special about this movie to me because it's it's a kind of thing that in a traditional script you just would never see because they wouldn't make time for it. But in this movie, there's such a casual approach to like making weird dialogue quirks happen that almost I wouldn't say they're realistic, but it's like they're they're part of like a broader canvas of how people interact with each other. And this movie is not like, it's not sculpted in the same way that a movie like Cobra is. There's a lot of like shagginess, like the way that people interact with each other. I think there's, this is no clearer than in when James Woods is like breaking into the, to the, crooked cop's apartment and he's like waiting for him but he's doing it by the door so that when the door opens it <laughs> yeah. like hits him and I he's like immediately found it's like why are you doing that that's incredibly stupid and he falls asleep like, before it happens well yeah, he, he, yeah he's just sitting there and like this jazz music starts playing like he, he's, and, then, and then he's suddenly woken up and he gets in this like really <laughs> terrible scuffle that he clearly was not ready for but he put yeah. himself in that situation you're right that's some real, like, that's actual gritty shit, you know? It's like, yeah. that's character say, detail, like, oh, yeah. This yeah. movie is gritty, or this movie shows the underbelly uh, of society. A lot of times, that's like kind of just like them, like, doing it to, like, like, it's like an affect. But in a movie like this, like, it's just, like, dumb and shitty a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. how you really feel the grit, you know? 
Absolutely. Oh, I mean, and it I, feels baked into the movie too. It feels very intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when they they uh, early on they go up to uh, a suspect's car and they just shove the shotguns in through the open windows of the car and they're like don't move or whatever and the guy goes to get out of his car and he, it appeared that he did have a gun and he was yeah. going to do something it there, ends up being the right but, choice, but there's but no it, way that he saw that he just yeah. saw the guy step out of his car immediately guns him down so the guy lands all bloody on top of his partner yeah. and it just who happened he got to, to work do a out. night stakeout yeah <laughs> well and the only reason he's doing the stakeout is because his wife said she wants to sleep alone. They had a fight. So yeah, hey, so he's bored. Yeah, he's bored. So he's like, let's go do a stakeout so I can kill someone or something. Yeah, <laughs> and I love how he immediately after his the the fight with the wife, he just takes out his gun that's on his nightstand, starts cleaning it, putting all the ammo in it, calls up his buddy. Oh, we've done this plenty of times. So you know that they just <laughs> go out for fun and just like fuck people's lives up. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. And, and and the the also uh, insane detail after that is that there was a girl sitting in the car with the guy that he just killed. And and he has the line, blew away a broad's date, least I could do is drive her home. Drive her home. Which then it also implies implies, again that he's going to have sex with her. Yes. And it's just like... Which is like, you just killed a guy. And it's filmed like she is into him. And took his date. And it's filmed like the girl's into James Woods. Yeah. Like there's even like a shot where she's kind of like smiling and waving at him. And yeah. Stuff. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> track. Is, is James Woods supposed to be like really handsome in this movie? I guess so. I'm assuming so. Because I mean, he's, he's like got with big five dick women energy. In it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. He's Pete Davidson hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you don't get it, but everybody loves him. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I just can't get over the voice. I couldn't listen to that voice for that long of a period of time, I don't think. James and be, Woods. Yeah. <laughs> Because, uh, like, it's a great voice. It's just, it's not, like, a sexy voice, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, it's it's not... It's even passionate. <laughs> even, even Stallone's slurring has its own, like, appeal to it in a way, in, like, a macho way. Like, yeah. James Woods doesn't come across as, like, macho No, as he much comes to off me. as straight sleazy. He, like, yeah, he comes off, bag. like, just totally slimy and yeah. gross and uh, yeah, yeah it's very like Up steve to buscemi kind of voice <laughs> yeah steve buscemi vibes big yeah big buscemi vibes that's exactly what it is <laughs> yeah he he sounds like steve buscemi looks <laughs> what <laughs> spot on i don't know what that means but i feel like i know what it means yeah. you know i connected with it yeah exactly that sounds right to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and basically he just goes on a journey hunting down what he thinks is a serial killer who has taken, you know, brutally murdered this woman in this house that he's come across, and he's taken the case. Uh, and he's the only one who thinks it's a serial killer. And my favorite touch about this part when he starts the case um, is that he immediately assumes that whoever's being killed is being targeted people who look the same, even though he has no evidence of that. So he immediately starts eliminating all the unsolved homicides by non-white women, like the the Mexican woman, the black women. He's just like, it's clearly this person's not killing these people. So we'll just turn those files over. We won't deal with those ones. Um, even though there's no evidence of any kind that that is the case. Again, he just ends up always being right. Yeah, that's the <laughs> uh, thing, yeah. Because even when he takes, he finally establishes that, and I think he finds, like, one very incidental, superficial connection between two of them, and he's just like, this is a decades-long serial killer. He takes it to his boss, and his boss is like, you don't got any evidence, man. Like, yeah, and, he, like and, and he's like, I want 12 full-time officers. I want overtime. Overtime. I want no <laughs> amount of hours that can be capped. I want, yeah. 
literally he would have had these people working for like 72 well, yeah. hours well, straight and, 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 and he was like and I want a full media blitz <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were like dog come on I love the the character of the police captain uh, and the police captain yeah. character I think is a, a one of the things that really to me gets at like this movie in particular is a really, really interesting artifact of Los Angeles at that time because it's not a that character isn't like a a liberal wishy washy police chief trying to like play by the books. That guy's like a fundamentalist Christian, like yeah. sort of like Reagan guy, yeah. and like it, it very much shows you like what the LAPD or indeed what power was in California at that time. It's a lot of like you know, Orange County, extremely squeaky clean, but like still like, you know, bloodlusting fascistic people that gave us like the Ronald Reagans of the world. And you've got this sort of city that brushes up against it. And Los Angeles has such a like, had such an anarchic sort of feel on the street. And you kind well, of see that and, in and the depictions it's of so West funny Hollywood. That that guy is like the guy the voice who, of reason? yeah, he's too liberal was, for I James Woods. Say, I was like, it makes like James Woods makes this guy seem like a completely reasonable person. Right. Like, like he, he, like to James Woods, this guy is like the cartoon liberal pussy who it was yeah. in Cobra. And he's a fundamentalist yeah. like, Catholic guy who's just kind of like, Hey Woods, just, Take a few days, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's all, you know? Yeah, he's you know? still, like, very come, evil. Come back to me yeah. with some evidence, he man. He even says, stay on the case. Yep. Just chill. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, chill, not, I'm not doing a full media blitz <laughs> until you got some more convincing evidence. Yeah, but you can stay on it. Just chill out. And James Woods <laughs> is like, you no. liberal pussy. <laughs> you're just, you're going to have these scumbags run amok. He's just like, I'm going to go suck on a titty real quick now or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> James Woods is absolutely insane in this movie. Love um, it. There's also, uh, I also think that the filmmaking is really gross in this movie in a way that I really liked. Uh, there's one bit in particular where he's having sex with the the prostitute woman and he's got her like up on the stove. Yeah. And again, he's, he's sucking, he's making all kinds of noises and doing <laughs> that thing. And then it pans over to like burning bacon on the pans. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then it, it slowly also pans over to like these knives as these things, as these things are, you know, it's this really ominous pan. Uh, also, I think his door moves at the end of that one. So it's implying that like the guy knows where he lives or something. Yeah. Um, guy's watching him cause he ends up like taking those photos to the police. Like exactly. The, the yeah, he, he, took, he took photos time. of them having sex. Um, right. The best part about this is that this comes back, uh, not just in the case of literal photos were taken and sent to the police where he obviously gets in trouble for having sex with a uh, witness slash suspect type, per someone involved in the case. Um, but uh, she is also tied up and burned on the stove like the burnt bacon yeah so, that death so, in particular is very gruesome too. yeah like well, the way that they have her set up and stuff too it's very well uh, to show grotesque. that shot of the burning bacon on the stove yeah. and then to show her like burning thighs on the stove yeah that foreshadow is a dark one <laughs> just absolutely disgusting yeah <laughs> and great yeah but <laughs> in it just, the trashiest way again this just feels like this is this is like the the world that james wood's character yeah. wants mm -hmm. 
Um, the world he wills into existence. Yes, like, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a great way of putting it. Yeah, because like, remember that shot after like they find the first murder victim and he's walking outside talking about like how much he wants that case. And there's that sort of silhouette shot in the window in the background of them like moving the body. But it almost looks like they're like picking it up dirty dancing style and like wheeling it around the room, you know, and like holding it up. So you kind of just see this like body sort of like twisting in the in the in the sort of curtains, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like that, like it's such a, like that to me is like the striking image from the film because it's so like, it's, it's minor key played down and it's almost cavalier, but like it's got a lingering grossness and gratuitousness that like more aggressive movies can't match. Yeah. No. Yeah, ab- ab- yeah. Absolutely. And I think that those details just like really pepper an already pretty gross uh, story as is, as he makes his way through, you know, finding this serial killer who's really into feminist poetry. And, uh, I, I can't tell if it's implied that he's gay or not, or is it just the one, the cop that I he thought it was to. just the cop. Is it just the cop? I could okay. Be wrong. I very, could be very possible. I had a hard time figuring it out either way. Yeah. It gives him an excuse to like yell at women and, uh, <laughs> say slurs and things like that throughout the movie yeah. in all kinds of different ways. Um, Which just adds to his sleaze even more. You're like, oh, oh great. Now you, now you have that too. <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, and uh, there's a subplot where he uh, starts getting involved with the feminist poet who right. seems to be maybe have inspired this serial killer. Um, and the thing that's so fascinating about this is that, you know, he's clearly talking to her because he uh, supposedly he wants to hunt down the serial killer who's killing is inspired by her or, you know, he's killing people that look like her. But it so quickly becomes personal. It seems very quickly. He yeah. completely forgets about the serial killer of women <laughs> because he wants to have sex with the woman. <laughs> yeah. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> as soon as they get into interrogation, which, which to me is so interesting because it contrasts with the idea that the serial killer, the idea is that the serial killer wants to kill her or wants to be involved with her or whatever, you know, he's, he's yeah. hashing out a fantasy with her. It's like the only difference between the serial killer and this guy is that he just, he's going to want to have sex. Yeah. The serial killer is going to want to kill her. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just a case of like the serial killer has fantasies about her and now he's having like fantasies yeah. about her and forgetting about the serial killer. Woman can't escape the predators. Man. No. Yeah. So, and I, when, I mean, uh, eventually she, you know, she, she has, she again has too good of a heart. So she, right. she doesn't know that it's one of her, her poetry friends from her old high school or whatever it is. And there's this great part where he's like going through like her yearbooks and finding like nicknames of people and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, this is just this is great detective work. (laughs) The fact that all these people, the fact that all these people knew each other in high school and the fact that the story hinges on that has (laughs) such a weird like it gives such a weird energy to the film where it's like there is like such unresolved adolescent just like angst and like also like sexuality and just like extremely uh, weird tension in the, throughout the whole thing that like I think makes this movie so much stranger than any other movie like it. The fact <laughs> that it would like hinge around like climax at a school, like everybody in this that movie is knows weird, each other. Man. It's like such a like I didn't even make that he, connection. That's interesting. Because yeah, he, did, right. he does eventually kill in a, him yeah, at, the at, the, at the high school. Yeah. Well, and it, also it, he's from the same neighborhood as her. Right. Which we Silver discovered. Lake. Yeah. Um, 
which is now the sort of like, you know, hipster Mecca of Los Angeles or like the Williamsburg of Los Angeles. But as recently as like 15 years ago was like the crime neighborhood of that part of Los Angeles. So it's very interesting to see like how that neighborhood like is depicted in this film. Um, but also just like to get back to the, like the high school thing, like it's so it, it, it almost comes in like a sort of like a statement of like these people like are not that complicated. Like humanity is not it's not that hard to get people. They are just all really fucked up from the same sort of hang ups and psychosexual trauma that they had when they were 15. Like everybody thinks that way. People aren't that complicated. And I think that movie this movie is like a really like holistic and like all encompassing statement on that. Well, I mean, partway through this movie, James Woods literally just gets suspended. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, just completely, his badge is taken, gun taken. All that. Well, yeah. There, there's one where I remember him yelling "Get up, you fuck!" at someone with like a gun, and like he's not even there on police business. Or anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, the the one bit that I I, I really like too is when he goes and he takes down the, the the corrupt cop, and he does the Russian roulette interrogation thing. Oh, and yeah. every time someone does that in a movie, all I can think about is the kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Bit or he accidentally that. shoots him in the head. Well, he's just like, you're not supposed to actually put a bullet in. <laughs> uh, because like, like he takes the first shot and he would have gotten no information. Yeah. Well, what I find off. interesting too is he doesn't do it in the way that's like the normal one where you just spin it and then yeah. it, it, it could be the shot. He actually tells him that there's going to be five empty shots and oh. then a shot. And then and so it's a it's a countdown rather than a a, a random thing and oh. I guess it just freaks well, out. I, I, I guess I just hope he got his math right. I yeah, guess that's the yeah thing. exactly. I guess that's the thing there. <laughs> well, and, and and again, um, instead of taking that guy in or um, like pinning him down, he he lets him get up so that he can bait him. Right. So that he can kill him, yeah. which is just. An amazing touch, and 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 the the shot stays with him is what I love too because we yeah. can see we can see him make that choice as he lets the guy go and he knows that the guy's going to come back with some sort of gun, yeah. and he he intentionally grabs his secondary gun which has all the bullets yeah. in it so he puts the other gun down, and then he moves so that the guy will come back right where he was and the shot stays with him the entire time the guy right, comes in with right. a gun and he shoots him right in the back yeah um, it's. So, so he so intentionally good. baited the guy so that he could murder him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's completely devoid of suspense. Like there is such a flat affect on that entire scene. Like it's like completely like this is not played as like tense action set to like. Oh, is he going to come music. back with a gun? No, he knows. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He and he's like, knows. oh, he pulls out the gun and he's just going to kind of sit there and then <laughs> blast him. It's like, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. It's just like a procession of just like. Uh, completely predetermined violence. It's it's yeah, it's Exa- sad. exactly, and that and that's what I think he's doing throughout this entire film. Is he's just he's he's kind of like pushing people and manipulating people in a way so that he can get the most savage outcome for himself, basically. Yeah. Um. And there's uh, a great bit right after he kills that that cop in there where he gets a call from like his one partner dude or whatever. And the guy's just like, you're in big trouble. The feminist lady's filing an official complaint against you for like, <laughs> you know, for, you like know, he would give up mer- merge, merging personal and professional. Yeah. Uh, and he's just like, yeah. I just killed a cop. <laughs> I don't so, care. So like, I'm, I'm going to need you to square this one up for me before I come and deal with that one. Or whatever. 
one one problem at a time, man. Like maybe I shouldn't have popped off last night, but like you know I did. Yeah. So. <laughs> so it is what it is. Yeah. So again, by the time we're getting into these final killings, he's just straight up murdering people, um, and. It's it's a little less blatant. Like basically, as the movie progresses, they get a little bit more blatant. Up until the finale, which we have to which get is to so here, so good. Which is which is unbelievable. Where he, he even the, the the tensity before it, where it's just oh, like yeah. the the slow approach to how they're trying to find each other on the uh, on the on the the stands. Yeah, uh, like the, like the bleachers versus the actual gymnasium yeah, floor. James Woods is above the 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 bad guy and you know they're 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 basically like crawling along the wall trying to avoid each other and it's uh it's very tense and well done yeah yeah well and and this is the it's personal that's really what it is well yeah so, and, and again it's it's that like suspense horror yeah it's like it's the one time again i felt like this actually went into the the, the horror realm where he's you know they're he's he's actually anticipating you know whatever the, this enigmatic serial killer which again we see him this one time. Nothing else is ever explained about him. He's just a just a serial uh, killer. Yeah, just a, a, a total sicko who yeah. loves feminist poetry and likes to kill women. That's the only things we know about him. Um, and we get a very similar confrontation as the one we get in Cobra, but it's just a lot more blunt and brutal. It's just yeah. like there's no there there's not even much of a conversation between the two. Really. It's just those two messing, like uh, trying to like out maneuver each other. Yeah, this was like uh, the he's, difference. he's like a gymnast with like an Uzi. Yeah. That part he, threw me off yeah, a that, little bit. That was pretty uh, awesome. <laughs> and James Woods just has a shotgun and he's on the bleachers and he's up top. The killer's below and they're just basically firing at each other and outmaneuvering each other. And at one point, like James Woods, like activates the bleachers so it knocks the guy. Yeah. And James Woods him. has his eye, I think, on the uh, the the, the high jump mats. Yeah. yeah. So that he can maybe somehow get below. And eventually, that's what he does, right? He hits the bleachers and distracts yeah. him, and then jumps below and just points. And I was like, that's him. definitely the most action James Woods has like ever done <laughs> yeah. in his life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> jumping off those bleachers onto the mat. Yeah. And that's also the big difference I was saying with Cobra in this is where Cobra sets it up. So, you know, he's about to shoot the guy and then there's a bit of a scuffle so that they can have a bit of a self-defense kind of vibe to it. Whereas this one, no, it's just James Woods. He's suspended and he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause he, he has the same line. Uh, he's just like, you're, you're a cap. You yeah. gotta take me in. Is <laughs> <laughs> basically all he says. Yeah. And he's just like, the good news is I'm a cop. The bad news is I'm suspended and I don't give, give a, fuck. a fuck. And not just one shot. Yeah. Three shots completely. Shotgun and one too, of so. the most amazing just cuts to black. Doesn't yeah. even. Oh, the, it he, is. Too, and he cocks it too before it cuts to yep. black. So it adds just like, yep. like action cool sequence. But you know he just did something like horrifying. Yeah. And it, so. it doesn't show you the result. It doesn't even show you James Woods's reaction for the most part, other nope. than the thrill of yep. he got to kill someone. Yep. Yeah. That's all, it. that's all it was for. <laughs> the fact that it cuts on the gunshot, but also on three gunshots, I think gets at the heart of why and we really should give credit to James Harris for his direction here. Yes. Like his, yeah. like he really like, for lack of a better word, like he cuts to the chase with the directing. Like there is such an economy of how he chooses to make this action happen. Like he doesn't have like 50 shots 
all from different angles, like in Cobra, yeah. where there's not, there's not a single like moment of coverage in Cobra. In this, you have a lot of wives and you have a lot of like two things happening in one frame at the same time, or a lot of things where an entire scene will play out without much of a sort of like tonal shift or a much of a change. But like when there is a cut and when there's like a moment where he has to like depict a specific thing or like when he finds like when James Woods finds a body, like the the speed at which he gets into that moment is so uh, aggressive and so cutting that like it, it truly startles you and viscerally affects you in ways that more over the top action would not. Well, yeah, yeah because I, I would say that like because typically he kind of films this like just a an, an engaging character like procedural for yeah, a lot of the runtime. Exactly. And then so the the big swings into like James Woods just being, you know, dropping the facade and just going full brutality yeah. that he wants to. Uh, because we all I, know it's you, been leading you really to this, right? feel this that, is what yeah. he's wanted to do this whole well, time but he hasn't gotten a chance to do it well yeah and and I, I think that's why the ending is so perfect it's such a perfect gesture towards it's over this yeah. is what it was all building to yeah, this, this is what he it. wanted this is exactly. this is what he willed into existence as Nate already put it this is what he was hoping for and he got there and all you get is you got the amazing moment and then cut to black. And I love that he even holds the audio for like another five seconds. So you hear like the shells drop to the ground yeah. and that's yeah, it. It's chilling. Yeah. Honestly. Yep. Yeah. Just, just amazing. One of the, one of the best endings that I think we've talked about on, on the show. And I was I think completely so blown away by it when, when, yeah. when uh, watching this for the first time here. And I mean, uh, it, it, James Woods, he sells it too. It's oh, a yeah. very good He's performance. Great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I remember I, I had the, the, fortunate enough to see this movie uh on 35 millimeter at a, at a screening with director james harris in attendance That's and awesome. he was cool. talking about it afterwards and he was just like he didn't really have like much to say uh, he talked more about the production and stuff but what he had to say about like the the meaning behind his film was, was like yeah like being a cop kind of just sucks man it's like not cool um nothing good about it really and he was like very value neutral but you could tell like the like the the world weariness and resentment of authority figures was like what made him make this film have just like such a like somber and pessimistic outlook and that with every like aggressive moment like the shotgun shell thing it just like kind of like adds another like dot to the just like ellipsis of just like how bummed out this whole situation makes him. And I think that that vibe is what makes this one of the one of the great gritty crime movies is because it is so much more bummed out than any other movie like that, while still having that weird sort of perverse glee that it depicts James Woods as having like it. It's it. it it straddles that line really effectively, and that's why I think it's so much better than a lot of movies that are more famous than it. Well, yeah, I think I think it's a great combination of like just very in touch but restrained filmmaking and a performance perfectly suited to a character. Perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have if we asked for a better actor for this. Yeah. <laughs> well, James Woods, it seems like, would eventually go on to just, like, I feel like James Woods watching this he movie would be like, that's a, that's a cool guy. I yeah. love this guy. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> they just turned the camera on and said, have fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, it reminds, you, me of, it reminds me of that great Simpsons bit, the one with James Woods in it. That's hilarious. I was going to mention that, too. Yeah, the one, the one where he's just like, that sounds like a great movie. And he's like, yes. A movie. A movie, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because James, what, what does he say? He's, he's like, I'm going to go take down some aliens or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, uh, 
I can't remember. It's something exactly. completely ludicrous, and and she, and Marge is like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great movie." And he's like, "Right, a yeah, movie." movie. <laughs> <laughs> very, very similar thing here. Like, right, this is a movie, James. Yeah, right, for you, know, sure, you understand man. that, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, well, I think we'll enter the reductive rating round on on cop here. I almost want to go with the five. I'm going to go with the high four on nice. the first watch here. I almost want to go there. I had the conversation almost took me the there. Rewatch, well, huh? yeah, just because that ending. And I, th- I yeah, think I, I think that there's just <laughs> so there's, there's a lot more controlled grotesqueness and sleaziness to this and like a point of view, I think, than people, you know, watching it on a surface level might not you know, see, I guess would be, would be yeah. the main thing. Like I, I could see a lot of people trying to cancel James B. Harris and this movie for content, but right. like, I don't, yeah. I like, I really do think that there is an awareness here and there is something interesting being said about these kind of grotesque impulses of the James Wood character here and how in tune this gets you in with it and how, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have to do anything fancy to indict him. He lets the, he basically lets the character hang himself with his own, with his own rope. He just, he just shows you. And that's, and I, I think a huge part of that is that James Woods is in every scene and that the scenes a lot of the time stay with him and lets him control how that scene plays out. Again, I think that scene where he baits the police officer intentionally is just, that's too obvious of a decision for it to, you know, for, for James B. Harris and whatnot to not be, um, invested in how disgusting that this character is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that this is just a really competent, enthralling procedural, as well as a, uh, completely grotesque study of this character. (laughs) Um, and that it builds to like a, a genuinely harrowing finale that kind of just makes clear what, this character has been looking for this entire time. Um, I was completely engrossed by this movie. So uh, high four for me. Sweet. Higher than Cobra even. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm also going to give it uh, a strong four. Um, I think what really makes this movie for me is the fact that I don't think James Woods is aware at all that that his character is like a complete shitbag. I'm sure he has moments where, of course, he knows that he's making some bad decisions, but I think overall James Woods would honestly think that overall this guy is doing good you know he's, he's doing the right thing by by getting rid of these these bad people yeah which is just funny to me uh to, and i think it really shows in his performance because he sells this character like no other it's amazing uh and then the direction uh as the film goes i really did start realizing that the director was in on this you know yeah. <laughs> which was nice because we've seen other movies like death wish some stuff like that where yeah. it seems like they're pushing we're for less certain than, for sure <laughs> yeah whereas this one the director is definitely questioning these characters and the the, the situation in general so that was really awesome to see and uh once again that I, I just love how subtle it is while good. also doing that like you know you could have any movie that like you know, is like, I'm making a movie about a bad person. Yeah. But I think the fact that some people might be confused by this one is because he just lets the character reveal right. that to you. Right. Exactly. Because because there's a lot of the dialogue scenes are, are him being like, like I'm the good guy. I'm hunting down the killer of women. I'm yeah. this. And then he shows you his actions and they completely like just override all of that. Yeah, there's no um, scene where James Woods gets his like comeuppance for being the the uh, you know th- this kind of there, bad. There's, there's cop. no thematic exposition where someone right. is like you so you people, just want to do this or whatever. It's right. like no, you just get that by watching the yeah. film. <laughs> so people could watch it and be like, well, he didn't even you know nothing happened to this terrible 
quote unquote protagonist. So yeah. this movie must be yeah. saying that it's okay. And and no, I just think it's exp- it's just showing you and having you say that is terrible. That's horrifying. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah to, yeah, to to go from the scene of his wife and kids leaving him to he him immediately to, Im- it, to an escort on a boob. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like 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 it's like a smash cut to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They don't waste any time, and neither did James Woods. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I loved it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four, and uh, maybe yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe on that rewatch could get the five. I was too, close. So. It's such a, a a cool little character piece here. Yeah. Yep. All right, I'm going five. Woo, Life nice. is short. <laughs> Why we got to be stingy with our fives? I don't know. <laughs> this, this is a five movie for me on rewatch. I will say that I, the if I could watch this movie. Uh, with audio commentary from oh, only yes. 2019 James Woods. <laughs> yes. That's a, they should that's a maybe six out of five. need to get that immediately. Yes. James Woods, would reach out. <laughs> if I was ever Seriously. in a room with James Woods, and I could possibly one day be, this is the only thing I would ask him about. <laughs> um, I'm going to DM him great. as soon as I get home. The reason that this movie is a five for me now on rewatch is because, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I live in L.A. And uh, it, it's... Uh, I drive past a lot of these places and so the memory of this movie like really like recurs in me but what strikes me more and more now looking back at it is just the sheer oddness and nuance with the way that the interpersonal relationships happen like between like you know James Woods and the crooked cop that he kills or between James Woods and his love interest or between James Wood and the and the like fundamentalist police chief all of these like character moments are so much weirder and more complex than they're given credit for and so that plus all of the other things that it makes me think about when I just like drive around the city all the time. Like this movie does really, really sit with me. So I didn't think it was like a five movie when I watched it, but now I'm like adamant that it is nice. Hell yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well that will wrap it up. I think for this week's episode, that was Cobra 1986 and cop 1988. Nate, this is the part of the show where if you've got anything to plug, you can do it right here. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything online at the moment that I'm like looking to plug. I will probably be starting a new podcast soon, uh, but that's kind of down the line. You can follow me on all social media at Nate Media Good. If you live in the Southern California area, uh, you should follow me on social media because I do stand up and sketch comedy all around the beautiful city of Los Angeles. If you ever want to come see me, uh, it's pretty good. I, I, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. A, awesome. a glowing praise from Nate himself <laughs> yeah. on his stand-up work. Go check it out for sure. Uh, for our listeners, in one week's time, we're going to be back with a uh, bonus Patreon episode, guys, for you. And that talking is going to be more on... action sleaze. Yeah, we're talking... We're, we're moving from... Uh, sort of like fascist cop sleaze to fascist sci-fi dystopia cop sleaze. (laughs) Uh, So we are doing 1987 The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which uh, Jamie and I got to see at my uh, theater that I helped program here. We just played it for a bunch of of people. We had a lot of fun. Uh, and we're going to be pairing it with Hype crowd, which was a lot of fun. Too. Yeah. Everyone was having, having a great time <laughs> laughing at all those one liners. Oh yeah. Um, and we're going to be pairing it with 1993's demolition man starring, yeah. uh, Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. Oh yeah. And How do you do that thing with the three C shows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
great impression. So good. You yeah, could do a whole stand-up that, routine as Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't realize how connected these movies all were together because The yeah, Running Man real. was almost directed by George P. Cosmatos of Cobra. Oh, really? Yep. He was the first choice to direct until he turned it down because he was making it too different, apparently. Oh. Wow. Um, and then, uh, obviously, Demolition Man has Sylvester Stallone in it from Cobra. So yeah. uh, either way. We're going to be having a good time next week. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcast for that episode. It's next week. Uh, but in two weeks' time, OG boys, we're going guestless. We don't do it too often for the free <laughs> ones, but we are going guestless. And uh, there is a remake of a certain movie called Child's Play coming out. So we are going to be yep. doing Child's Play 1988, directed by Tom Holland. And we are going to be pairing it with something I've wanted to talk about for a really long time. One of my favorite childhood movies that has only grown on me. Uh, Small Soldiers, Joe yeah. Dante, 1998. I'm excited. I haven't seen it since I was like So 12, we are going to so. be toys coming to life with murderous vengeance in mind. Uh, double feature. <laughs> I can't believe that there's two of those movies. Yeah. But uh, so for free listeners, that's going to be coming to you guys in two weeks time. Uh, that awesome. will wrap it up. Thanks as always for listening and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. Bye bye. <laughs>